Welcome to Reliance's Sunday Sermon. Worship with us at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Um, I want to say, if you're a visitor today, you're back, maybe from Easter, welcome. It is so good to have you here. I want to tell you, 9.30 on Easter Sunday, you were rowdy, all right? And when I say rowdy, I mean you used every chair in the house, all right? And I believe that your prayers at 9.30 did something for the 11 o'clock service because you broke the air conditioner for them. So, so, so I hope you were comfortable because when the 11 o'clock left, it was 88 degrees in here. They were baptized with fire, all right? (laughs) Holy Spirit came, upper room, way to go, 930, all right? I'm just throwing that out to you. Um, I wanna wanna take a minute, and I wanna catapult off of something that we talked about on Easter. On Easter, we talked about because he's risen, so we have risen to new life. Everybody say new life. life. But I wanna know the follow-up for Easter, what does new life mean? Because it's one thing to have our rah, rah, rah moment. Oh, it's crazy. It's Easter Sunday. Everybody's going nuts. We're celebrating. And we come out of Easter, and then nothing changes. And that's a tragedy. Amen? So if Easter Sunday we celebrate this idea that Jesus was was crucified and risen from the grave, and we go, this is foundational because we believe it to be true, that he has given us new life, what in the world does new life look like? And so I want to spend today, I want to flesh that out a little bit. What does new life look like? Revelation 21.5, we said these, these words uh, uh, on Sunday last week. Behold, the Lord says, I make all things new. What does it mean to be new? I want to put weight behind this idea of what it means to be New And so I'm going to touch uh, on this today. If we don't get all of it today, we'll get it next week as well. But I want to talk about what it looks like to be new. Specifically today, two things I want to I look at. Everybody say new identity. New identity and new practices. Everybody say new practices. These are the things I want to focus on today. How many of you guys like new things in here? Anybody like new things in here? You liars. Everybody likes new things. How many of you guys like old things, like your antiquers and, you know, the whatever, you, yeah, you, you do the thing, right? So, so I like new things. I like some old things. And I, I tell you, as I, as I get older, I'm starting to value some of the old things still too, right? But my kids, I'll give you an example. Is my kids, they mow our yard and they mow some of the neighbor's yards, all right? And every summer it comes up and they say, Dad, would you buy us a new mower? And we've got a good mower, right? But what they mean when they say, Dad, will you buy us a new mower, is they mean a bad boy 65-inch deck, right? <laughs> like, this is what they mean. And I, and I remind them, you don't need a new mower. When I was growing up, testify with me, I had a mower that didn't have a motor on it. You had to push it, and it made the blade spin. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah? As I was walking uphill both ways. It was, we lived on quite the place, right? But there was a mower when we were growing that didn't have a motor on it. And you always mowed jungles with that thing. It was like, this is the most, this is what hell feels like, right? And so my kids, I, I was telling, did you know that there were mowers that didn't have motors on it? They're like, oh, that's crazy, right? I like new things. I like the fact that we have a mower that's got a motor on it. But I also like some old things too. Some of the old things that I like, my wife will go through my drawers about once a month and try to throw away my clothes, I am telling you, you want to start a fight in my household, try to throw away my 1989 t-shirt. I'm just throwing that out to you right now. 
or, or, or my, 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 my football t-shirts that I used to cut off and I still live my glory days in high school and I run around the house. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? So, no? Unbelievable. So she'll go into my drawers and she'll find a shirt and she'll say, Aaron, I'm gonna throw this away. I haven't seen you wear this in 20 years and it's about as thin as a Kleenex. And I'm like, baby, I will wear that. Do not touch that shirt. And she's like, Aaron, if I touch the shirt, it's gonna fall apart. And I'm like, put that back in the drawer, all right? I have a problem throwing away my old things. And I do, I have my old football t-shirts you'd cut off and you wear them under your pads. And she's like, Aaron, you will never use these. And I go, baby, I'm feeling spry in my 40s. I mean spry. Sometimes I, and I'm not wearing it on church, all right? But sometimes I run around the cul-de-sac and I'm feeling this little thing going, maybe I could be in the NFL, right? I mean, if Tom Brady can do it, come on, right? And so I have this mentality where it's difficult for me to get rid of old things. I like new things, but it's hard for me to get rid of old things. Anybody out there feel that pain and agony? All right, a few of you. It's like that in our Christian life. The word of the Lord in Colossians chapter three, if you have your Bibles, go there. He is gonna tell us that in Christ, we're a new creation, but we've gotta take off our old nature and its practices. Here's what he says. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your hearts on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, Set your mind, so it's a heart issue, it's a mind issue. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. Now, here's the language that he's gonna use. It's strong language. Put to death. Somebody say death. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Now, there's a reason that he says put it to death. Because you and I want to take those things, we want to box them up and package them, and we just want to shelf them so that they're out of our life, but not too far away and just in case we need to pull them back down. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? But that's not the language that Scripture says. He says, put these things to death. There is an old part of your life that died when you went down under the water with Christ, and when you came back up and you're risen to new life with Christ, there is an old part of your life that you are supposed to put to death. Now he's going to tell you what those things are. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry. Because of these, he says, the wrath of God is coming. Now here's verse 7. I just want to work through this with you for a minute. You used to walk in these ways. Somebody say used to. There's, a, there's an indication that Paul's writing to believers in the house today, and he's telling you, there was a time that you used to walk in these things. Now, we're not talking about perfection. Every single person has sin in this room, amen? This is something that we're growing. We're growing to learn to be more and more like Christ. But he says these words, you used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived, but now you're ridding yourself of those things and these things. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. He says these words, do not lie to each other. And here's the key. Since you have taken off your old self, there's a taken off the old self. And then something jumped out at me when I read this. And I've read this a thousand times. Since you've taken off your old self with its practices. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed. Listen, it's being renewed. It's this renewing day after day after day in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Church, this is profound, and I'm going to tell you why. 
when you're living in Christ and Christ is living in you, there are some things in your life that have to change. Because if Jesus moves into your house, I promise you, he's gonna redecorate, amen. He gonna move some things around. And so it's not because you're trying really, really, really hard, it's because the Lord is coming in and he's revealing things that are not of him that are in there. So he's doing some remodeling in your heart. So here we are, post-Easter, Sunday after, we're saying he's risen, he's everything, we'll celebrate, we'll get all dressed up, we'll look the part. The question is today, are we gonna live the part? Are we gonna be changed from the inside out? And it starts, number one, with having a new identity. Since you've taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. If we don't know who we are, we won't know how to live. And this is why I want to make this as clearly uh, as, as I can, that, that this identity of Christ in you is the number one area the enemy wants to attack. He does not want you to believe and know who you are in Christ. From the very first breath that you breathe into your lungs when doctor spanked your behind, from that moment the enemy has waged war against your identity. He wants to bring you down. And so I say that to say, I would wage an argument, it's one of the biggest challenges in Christianity, simply seeing Satan attack identity and keeping you from understanding who you are in Christ. How many ever grew up watching that movie Overboard, the real one with Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn? Not the whatever the new one is, right? So if you haven't seen it, she falls over a ship, gets amnesia, doesn't remember who she is. She comes from this like high class influence, wealth, whatever, but she lives like in the poverty of poverty state until one day her mind is opened up and she realized, wait a second, I, I'm wealthy, right? And so this, this, this whole movie is built on this concept that she's lived kind of in the slums not realizing who she really was. And I'm telling you, in the life of Christ today, we live like we're in the slums not realizing who Christ is in us. And this is what changes everything. Here we are post-Easter. This changes everything, knowing who you are. So then we've got to understand, how did we lose it? Why is the enemy so bent on destroying this? How did we lose it? We gotta revisit this real quickly. We've talked about this a thousand times. Identity is huge to us, huge. And so in Genesis chapter 1, 26, we are gonna run out of time. In Genesis 1, 26, the Lord said, those famous words, let's make mankind in, in our image, in our likeness. They're gonna rule over the earth, all the birds, all the fish, all the land animals. And so it says God created them in his image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them, okay? And so what we know is that Satan does not have creation power. He does not. Only God can create. What Satan does have is, uh, is, is, is the opportunity of the lies and deception to destroy, distort, and pervert what God created, to destroy, distort, and pervert. 
And so what he does is he lies and he speaks lies. And so it distorts it and we don't know who we really are. And so here's what we see in Genesis chapter 3. The woman's talking with the serpent, having conversation. And of course, she's like, we can't eat any of the fruit from this tree. We can eat any of the fruit from any other tree, but we can't do this one. Or the Lord said, you will surely die. Satan's lie, distortion, Satan's way to pervert this is he simply says, you certainly won't die. For, I, for God knows that when you eat from this, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. They ate, we know the story, they ate the fruit. And it says both of their eyes were opened. Now these are spiritual eyes. Their eyes were opened. Something happened inside of them that their life that they were living had been changed now to a new life. Their eyes were now open, and it says they realized they were naked. They sewed fig leaves around themselves, and they hid from God. They've never hid from God one day in their life up until this point. They never even knew what nakedness was. They had never experienced shame. They never had any concept of that stuff until this moment. Their life changed and their eyes were open. They went from a place of knowing who they were to a place of being afraid of the Lord now. Church, I believe this moment in history of humanity set the stage for our struggle in life. Our identity was always supposed to be his identity. We are made in his image. We were never supposed to have our own self-identity. Our mind was supposed to be his mind. Our heart was supposed to be his heart. That's why he talks about it all through scripture. But their eyes were both open, and in that moment, their God identity was distorted and perverted, and they began focusing on self-image. You naked. Well, you naked too. We'll put clothes on, right? And all of a sudden, shame came over them, and as their eyes were open to self-awareness and their own identity, it says now they hid from the Lord in shame. And we read those words when Eve said, if we eat from this tree, God says you will surely die. But here's the thing, they didn't die right away. They lived hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So what was it that died? Yes, now there was an expiration date for them, but what was it that died? What died, and I would contend with this over and over and over, is that what died inside of them was their true identity. That the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy because he did not want them to know what their identity in Christ looked like. And this is why the gospel of Jesus comes. Because in the gospel of Jesus, he came to reclaim that which the enemy had taken. Matthew 18 says, the son of man came to seek and save. Somebody say seek. He's looking for you. He came to seek you. He will find you. And then he will save you. It says the son of man came to seek and save that which was lost. Why did it say that which is lost and not him who was lost? or her who was lost. He's coming to save you and reclaim the identity that the enemy took from you at the fall. He wants to restore into you who you really are again. Adam didn't just sin. Yes, he sinned, but Adam took on the nature of God's enemy, and the nature of God's enemy is self. Self-glory, self-awareness, self-power, I can do it all on my own. I don't need a savior. And from this day, every man, woman, and child in scripture says that we must be born again from our old nature back into 
our new created nature in Christ Jesus. Amen, church? Dan Moeller has this quote that says, we turn this into a prayer to go to heaven rather than a prayer to bring the nature and identity of Christ into our life again. We're so bent on just going, just get me to heaven that we forget that the prayer for the Lord was, I wanna get heaven back into you today. I wanna get this identity back into you. I want you to know who you are today. I don't want you to wander in fear and agony and worry until one day glory comes. I want you to know that identity today so that when suffering comes, and I believe suffering comes, and trials come, and I believe trials come, and persecution comes, and I believe it comes, when it comes, I can still operate like Christ Jesus does. This is why it's so important, because at the end of the day, church, at the end of the day, we are so bent on trying to find who we are, knowing that Jesus Christ tells us who we are in his scripture, that when he rose, so we rise, he gives us new life, and that life is Christ Jesus inside of us. So, real quickly, let me, I don't know, let me just go here. Romans 8, 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves. Somebody testify, amen. The spirit that you receive does not make you a servant, a slave, so that you live in fear. Rather, the spirit you received brought your adoption to sonship. You've been adopted in as sons and daughters. We love that verse. We say it a lot. You cry, Abba, Father. He testifies with your spirit that we are God's children. If we're children, we're heirs. If heirs, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we share in his glory. Verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Let me say in us. Not around us, not someday in a distant future, but inside of us. This is what the enemy does not want you to know. The glory of the Lord lives inside of you. The authority of Jesus lives inside of you. Look, this is what the enemy is trying to keep from you. And this is what all of God's creation is eagerly hungering for. Verse 19 of Romans 8. For all creation waits eagerly in expectation for the children of God to be revealed. And I could go on and on and on. The creation itself will be liberated, set free from its bondage of decay, brought into the freedom and the glory as children of God. Creation is waiting for you and I to come back into the understanding of that moment in the garden where they had an identity in Christ. God-focused eyes. He was it. Creation's waiting for that day when you and I come to the realization today that is our day. That is our mandate. That God has put us back as a new creation with Christ Jesus and to take off that old self. Amen and amen. The last thing real quickly is, not only is it a new new identity inside of you, but there are new practices then as well. So this word from Colossians 3 says, since you have taken off your old self and its practices. I, I got to tell you, this jumped out at me a couple weeks ago in one of our prayer meetings that we were praying in. I was like, Lord, I've read this a thousand times. I know I've taken off my old self a thousand times, and I've put on the new self, because it's a daily struggle. Amen? Like, I mean, this is a day. I didn't just take it off, and then I'm like, now I'm good. Like, there are things that I'm constantly having to take off of myself. There are shirts that are in my drawer that the Lord's constantly telling me, get rid of those. Get rid of those. There are some things in my life that I'm constantly having to take off of myself. But then he says, 
and its practices. For some of us, we come into Christ and we clothe ourselves anew and we receive the grace of God, but we don't let go of our old ways. So I come into Jesus, and I'm like, Lord, you're good. I want saved. I want your goodness, but I'm going to still walk in my lustful desires. I come into Jesus. I get saved. I'm like, Lord, you're good. I want your goodness, but I'm going to still go out every weekend and get, you know, faced, right? I'm going to go out. I'm going to still do what I'm doing. In other words, I'm in. I'm trying to take off these old rags, but I have not yet changed my ways and my practices. So we have Christ, but we don't change our ways, so our ways eventually change us. Come on, amen? And so, Ephesians 4, Paul's going to spend a lot of his ministry now speaking to the churches in the New Testament about this. He's going to write to Col- the church in Colossae. He's going to write to the Ephesian church. He's going to write to 1st 2nd Corinthians. He's going to write letters to these believers that, that he's hearing these reports of, hey, you're going back to some of your old ways. You're claiming Christ, but you're going back to some of your old ways. And he's like, ah, be careful. That's not who you are anymore. So in Ephesians 4, 17, he says, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. You must no longer live your lives as the Gentiles do. In other words, the Gentiles were kind of this representation of those not pursuing the Lord. And he talks about what they did. He's like, their their understanding is darkened. They're separated from God because they've hardened their hearts. They've lost sensitivity, given themselves over to sensuality. And then he says these words in verse 20. That, however, is not the way that you learned. That's not the way of life that you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance to the truth of that in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted and by its deceitful desires and to be made in the attitude of the newness of your minds to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Look, he's not saying that you're gonna be perfect. Jesus is perfect. He's saying that as your eyes are set on the perfect one, something changes in your life. We cannot, we cannot come in on Easter, declare he's risen, he's risen, he's risen, he's it, he's everything I'm after, and then still live the same life day after day after day that we were supposed to take off. Amen, church. This changes everything. This takes us from somebody who comes into church and sits down, says, I'm just going to take it all in, to somebody who says, I'm not in the church to sit down, I am the church and I'm going out. It's what changes everything. But it's you and I, I'm putting myself in this boat, examining our hearts to say, first and foremost, am I in, am I in this new life? Look, I'm not, there could be people in the room today that's going, I don't think I know this new life. I've heard about it. I hear people, you know, rallying behind, I don't know if I know this new life. It starts with first and foremost, knowing this new life. And then secondly, if you've been in this room, you go, I know this new life, but I do not know how to get rid of my old habits. I don't know how to get rid of my old practices. 
the first thing that comes into my mind is anger. The first thing that comes into my mind is lust. First thing that comes into my mind is just getting out of here so I can get that whatever, that drink. Like if those old practices are coming against you and waging war, I know that Jesus can set you free. So maybe you don't know that new life yet. That's the start. But maybe you know that new life and you want that new life, but those old practices are following you. Today's the day we take them off. And we say we are resurrection people, then let's live in this new life of Jesus. So I'm gonna pray for us. The band's gonna close here in a moment. 11 o'clock's gonna wait because you're gonna break the AC for them again. We're gonna pray. You turn and make your chair your altar. The altar's open, the crosses are open. But if you're struggling right now, I wanna specifically speak to that heart. If you're struggling right now going, man, I want him, but there are some practices that are following me and I just, ugh, I wanna throw those off, but I need help. I wanna just tell you, I wanna be up here. I'll have some prayer people up here. I wanna pray over you. No shame, no guilt, no condemnation. That's me. I have those things that I've got to deal with. If you're in this house today and you say, I don't even know what new life with Jesus is, we want to pray that prayer with you. And if you're in this life saying, I'm just ready to encounter the full weight and identity of Jesus, and I pray that's all of us, I believe he'll meet you in this place. So you can turn and make your chair your altar. You can stand up. You can come to the altar. But we're going to close out with this song and these prayers. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you would come and you would teach us what this new life with its new practices look like. Thank you, Jesus. There's no shame in your game. But thank you, Jesus, that you come and restore us and renew us because you know what a new identity looks like in new believers. You know what a new identity looks like in believers who've been walking with you but have been wavering in that. So come and restore that identity once again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in today. To find out how to get more involved, go to reliancecommunity.org. Have a great week.